Seventh-day Adventist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. It's so good to see each and every one of you. Though I dare say how hot it's been, most of us are afraid we're going to spontaneously combust the moment we step outside. In fact, someone told me, he said, Pastor, I only go outdoors to get back indoors somewhere else. Amen. That's just too hot right there. So, but it is beautiful in Texas. It is hot in Texas. But you know what? It may be hot outside. But inside, we're not just air conditioned. We're prayer conditioned. Amen. And so we need to get our hearts right this morning. We need to get ourselves right. We need to get our ability to worship right. We need to give our praise and much honor to our King, Jesus Christ. Because that's what it's all about this morning. It's about worshiping Him. And that's why we're here. And that's what we're going to do today is praise God. Somebody say amen this morning. Well, my goodness, it is good to see each and every one of you. If you're visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you. Ask you to fill out your visitor card. You'll find your front of you in the little card there. Fill it out. Place it in the offering place. You come around so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well. And ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary and experience what God is doing at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Come on, as my personal guest, and be a part of that. In the meantime, I'm going to share with you a little bit about What's going on at Robert Sandy? Well, number one, today, of course, after service, we're going to have choir practice at 4.30, provided we don't spontaneously combust in between that time. And we'll start getting on fire for God that evening. Six o'clock, we'll have our evening worship service right here in the sanctuary. And then, uh, c- turn around Monday night, uh, we'll have uh, at six o'clock our Experiencing God study. Well, then we have something interesting coming on uh, Tuesday. At 12 o'clock, y'all, we're going to be having our community outreach, our get-together right here, our fun day, if you will. We're going to set up the bounce house. We're going to put out the golf course. We're going to have some outside games. We're going to do some music. We're going to have some hamburgers, some hot dogs, some potato chips, some sodas, some waters. We're going to invite the community in. And so we want to invite you to be a part of that as well. We do need your help in that. One is setting up, and we also need your help in uh, giving out those golf and tracks and anything else that might be there. We need some sides brought in. Those with hamburgers and hot dogs. Some of those ideas might be baked beans, potato salad, coleslaw, anything of that nature. Macaroni salad, and of course, potato chips. And any dessert always goes with a hamburger hot dog. Any dessert. Somebody say amen. Praise God. So that's what's happening on Tuesday. Tuesday night, however, some of the churches are going to gather together in the city park, and we're going to give out 400 bottles of water, 400 gospel tracts, and 400 personal invites to Ralph Family Baptist Church. So please start praying about our community outreach right there. One, about what we're doing in the evening. Two, about what we're doing in the afternoon. Uh, because that's a lot of fun. It's an outreach to the community. It's a blessing to the community. And we meet a lot of people that way. And last year, we ran out of hamburgers and hot dogs. And last year, uh, we, I, we lost count of how many people had come in and left out. So it was a large crowd. And we're expecting the same crowd this year. So prayerfully consider helping us in that and helping us with that. Also on Tuesday, though, something else is happening. Youth group is having its final fundraiser uh, to get to youth camp in there. So please pray about supporting your youth group. We need to raise just a little bit more money in that. And uh, what we're having is a cake walk. So it's going to be really easy to do. And we're asking you to please consider donating a cake to your Robinson Avenue Baptist Church youth group. It can be homemade. It doesn't have to be necessarily a cake. It could be a pie. It could be cookies. It could be cupcakes. It could be lemon bars. It could be just about anything that you can put in the category of dessert other than puddings and things like that. We're going to have a cakewalk in it. So you're going to buy a ticket to be in that cakewalk, win your cake, or you might bid directly on the cake or, or dessert itself. 
Paris, uh, those that are running the cakewalk are going to do that. I've asked a couple of ladies if they would do that. But I'll be honest with you, I really don't know how to do a cakewalk at all. And so uh, they're going to set that up, and uh, the youth group is going to benefit from that. So please carefully consider donating a few cakes, cookies, pies, anything that you might make with Jerry. So they will go to the kitchen, obviously. Praise God. Any other questions with that? Okay. So, uh, also, uh, they'll bring them out and, of course, run the cakewalk on, on the floor like that. And how to do the uh, please keep your cake covered, right? Amen. <laughs> Good. Yes. Yes. Mark them if you want them to go to the dessert table. Thank you, Jay. That is an important, important announcement right there. All right. So, I want to bring to your attention also that July is uh, Operation Sister Child Item of the Month. Uh, item is going to be clothing items. So, find some of those on sale. You might find some of those uh, seasonal changing clothing items on sale, and that would be a good time to pick those up and bring those be a part of your OCC uh, mission outreach. All right. Uh, with that, I think, uh, well, we do have one more announcement. We're going to Saturday night is right there. We're going to have some interest in here. So I'm glad you've had this. We're going to have Saturday night singing. We're going to invite some of the local churches now. Of course, everybody's invited here. We'll have some light refreshments. Since the fellowship hall will be under um, construction there, so it's just part of the mess when that does happen. But uh, we'll, we'll have those refreshments in the children's church, and we'll have a singing here in the sanctuary. So come and sing with us and praise God with us. It'll, it'll go for about an hour to an hour and a half. If you want to sing a song, now's the time to do it when you're not online, where the rest of the world can't see you, and you're not scored digitally for the next 47 years. Uh, you can come and sing that song there. And that's what it's all about. It's about praising God. It's going to be a lot of fun. You are invited in that. So that's going to be a neat, 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 neat time. Coming up July 12th, y'all, uh, we're going to have a very special person come in at the end of the evening. And she's going to be doing a Corey Timboom presentation. I'm excited about this. And some people have already asked me, Pastor, what is Corey Timboom? Or who is Corey Timboom? Corey Timboom was an interesting lady who, during the Holocaust, during the Nazi Germany Holocaust, she and her family actually did Jews. Inside of Nazi Germany, she gets caught and actually goes to a concentration camp herself. And that builds and rebuilds and builds the Christian faith even more. So it's an interesting uh, presentation. I'm excited about that. And so I want to invite you to consider being a part of that as well. It's going to be Wednesday night, 12 at 6.30. All right, next Sunday, y'all, ministry team meeting. So come prepared for that. And I think that's just about it for now. So yes, go ahead, Judy. Yes.
love to take things apart. Be there. Be there and help us do that. So that's going to be a neat, neat, neat ministry. All right. If there's no other announcement, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And after we pray, we rise and welcome one another. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. I want to thank you for the to be in your house, Lord. May we worship you this morning in the Spirit. May you name you glorified. I pray, Lord, for those that are out traveling to the state, bring them safely home. I also pray, Father God, be with those that are homesick, Lord, not feeling well. Let them know the love that they're for. Pray on the back to us. But, Lord, would you go with us now into our time of worship? Would you take charge, Lord, so that your name will be glorified and magnified in all that we do, all that we say, all that we pray, and all that we preach. Be glorified and magnified in it. And I pray, Lord God, you open each and every one of our hearts. And we only need to come to know your personal Lord Savior that saved through that day. But we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Help these wives and welcome one another.
if you would, please find your way back to your seat. If you would, please make your way back to your seats. We have one more small announcement to share with you. Now, when I say small announcement, there's nothing small about this announcement. It's actually a huge announcement. And I wanted to save it for the last because the best comes last. And what I want to share with you is this. Some of you may remember, but Tuesday is Independence Day. And so what I want you to do with me right now is rise up to your feet. And I'm going to ask one of our deacons, Brother Stevie, would you lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance? And then I want to talk a little bit about the American soldier. Brother Stevie?
Amen. Oh, my goodness. I love that, that y'all are sure testing my uh, ability to uh, be coordinated there. I'm telling you, asking me to walk and chew bubble gum is dangerous. You know? So to stand and sing, you know what was happening right there. Oh, my goodness. You have your Bibles with you. Open with me, please, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, chapter 11. Tyler's morning's message is secret in the sand. Secret in the sand. that phrase, secret in the sand, what usually comes to mind? Something like this? Perhaps something like that? You think of deserts? You think of beaches? What comes to your mind when you think of secrets in the sand? When I think of sand, I like to think of other ones like that. I, I like to think of a, a child sandbox. I like to think of it like that. So when I was a kid, there was nothing greater in the sandbox that you would dug too deep and found something somebody hid, right? Y'all remember that? Uh, and then, of course, for you culturally, culturally uh, street people that are out there, those that are uh, a little higher class than us, that's what you think of when you think of sand. You think of the sand trap. That's for our new Eastern man who plays a lot of golf with that. We're in Hebrews chapter 11. Before we begin, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Shall we, Father, we come to man in Jesus' name. Oh, how we thank you for your word. I want to thank you, Lord, for the day of praise. I want to thank you for Independence Day coming. I want to thank you for the American soldiers, Lord. Please continue to bless the United States Armed Forces and all those who serve in them, Lord. Keep them safe. And thank you, Father God, they are willing to keep us free. God bless them. And please, Lord, look after them. Would you go with us down for our time of worship? Speak to us, Lord, and open our hearts to say, anyone needs to come to know you, trust you, Lord, Savior, and to let save you that day as we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' holy name. Hebrews chapter 11, look at me, please, verse 23. The Bible says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches and the treasures in Egypt. So he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured a seeing him being invisible. Now, the author of Hebrews emphasizes Moses. Specifically, he emphasizes how Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Please remember how this one's message is secret in the sand. So we're going to take a look a little bit at Moses what he did there. Um, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's the first point that we get about Moses. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Rather, the Bible tells us he chose affliction rather than the pleasures of sin. Also, Hebrews also emphasizes how Moses esteems the reproach of Christ, the greater riches rather than the pleasures of sin. 
love that particular phrase. He looks, according to the author of Hebrews, to him who is invisible and had faith that he could be greater than all the saints. Of course, the author of Hebrews emphasizes how Moses chose to forsake Egypt by seeing an invisible one. That's part of the fun that you see that. <laughs> Somebody asked me to start telling where my son Moses refused. Moses chose. Moses esteemed. Moses forsook. There's a lifetime of teaching. We could spend many, many, many hours learning from what Moses did when he became of age. We could learn how he refused the things of this world. We can learn how he chose the things of God. We can learn how he esteemed them, made them more important, and we can learn how he forsook. The devil forsook all people. We could spend many hours learning from what Moses did when he became his age. But we are looking at secrets in his hand. And so we have an account from the author of Hebrews on Moses' childhood, on what he did, there is another account as well. And I'd like you to look with me to see how Stephen describes Moses. Let's take a look at Acts 7 now. We're going to jump it to 16. We're going to move around just a little bit, but that's nothing new for you good about that. We used to know that quite well. Acts 7, look at me, verses 20 through 29. If you take a look at Stephen's account, just to give you a little bit of background of what's happening here, Stephen is getting ready to be martyred. He is getting ready to be stoned to death. Stephen, one of my favorite, favorite personalities in the Bible. Stephen, who's one of the first deacons. Stephen, who's full of miracles, full of faith. Stephen, who's full of God's Word. Stephen, full of love, full of God's will. Stephen, my uh, Romans, if you will. I love Stephen. Stephen actually gets a chance to share with Sanhedrin, with the Pharisees, what's happening in his life. He gets to share his real history. Could you imagine that? We talk about preaching to the choir. That is Stephen. He preaches to the people who knew Israel's history, in and out. And he reiterates some facts to them. Take a look at in Acts 7. We have verse 20. This time Moses was born and was well pleasing to God. He was brought up in his father's house for three months. Because remember, Hebrews tells us that. Parents are not afraid of Pharaoh's command or the king's command, and they hide him. We don't know necessarily how he was hidden. There's been all kinds of theories and all kinds of thoughts, and to be honest with you, none of them are really relevant. What we need to learn from Moses' mom and dad is number one, government is not God. Somebody say amen. It's not. God trumps the government. And let me tell you something. They were told, the Hebrews were told to kill those babies. They were told to throw them into the river. They were told to surrender, told to surrender them to be stabbed and to be killed. But Moses' mom and dad said, we love our children more than we do the government. And we're willing to face the wrath of the government. And let me tell you, if you are one of those this morning that's been praying for years and years and years to an end to the monstrosity called abortion, God bless you. Don't give in to what the government says. Stay with what God says. Moses' mom and dad disobeyed, and they hide Moses in his father's house. There's all kinds of support, too. Perhaps they dressed him up as a girl, I doubt it. I think they kept him hidden, and they taught him how to be silent. 
Anybody ever see the kids find it? Go like this. You know that the miracle from God. Verse 21, but when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughters took him away and brought him up as their own son. This is Stephen the captain. Now, he doesn't go into detail about how they built the ark and took the spine and took it down into the river. And Pharaoh's daughters came to that spot and took him up and said, Oh, this will be my son. Keep with me, verse 22. Moses is learned, learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and his mighty words and deeds. So he did learn Egyptian thought. He did learn Egyptian philosophy. He did learn Egyptian schooling. And the Bible says he was mighty in words and deeds. And when you think of Moses, what usually pops through your mind? Be honest, is it Charlton Heston? <laughs> Most of us do, and we think of Charlton Heston's version of Moses. And we like to think of him not knowing where he was or knowing his family, his history. Let's take a look at the Bible section. Look at me in verse 43. Now, when he was 40 years old, he came into his heart to visit his brethren. I can't come to his heart to visit his brethren if you don't know who his brethren are. The children of his daughter. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, and he's 40 years old, and he goes outside and he visits his brother, and he sees their slavery, I think, that he's been hidden from them. He's been kept away from that. And verse 24 tells us, seeing one of them suffer well, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed. Struck down. Did you know what the king said? Remember the title of our morning's message? Secret. And secret. Verse 25, who supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. They did not understand. Now, let me be honest with you. A lot of people think that Moses had no idea what God was going to do with him. Stephen disagrees with you. Stephen tells us that he believed in his heart. He supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his Moses' hand. They did not understand. Verse 26, And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong took them away, saying, Who made you a ruler? Kill me as he did the Egyptians yesterday. Since this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. That's what we're going to leave off in Stephen's account. But, like the writer of Hebrews, Stephen emphasizes certain things. He emphasizes that one, Moses wanted to do God's will. And we could spend some time on that. We could spend some time speculating on how Moses knew God's will. We could spend some time on, and I believe the truth is this, Moses' mom and dad raised him in a godly household. Let me tell you, if they wanted to protect his life, they were godly. Somebody say amen. And that teaching must have stuck, even though he was mighty indeed and learned the Egyptian way of life. He must have held on to his early training. And that brings me to our first little snub point, if you will, this morning. If you're a mom and you're a dad and you've been praying for that wayward son, that wayward daughter to come home, then you need to hold on to this truth. Train a child up in the way he should go, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. Moses was able to hold on to that little three or four months he had with mom and dad. And when he was 40 years old, he walked out to his brethren and knew who they were. And I want you to know, if you will claim on to God's Word, your child still knows where his family is in the house of God. Moses wanted to do God's will. He did that. Some Stephen's interest. 
fact, he wanted everyone there to understand that God was going to deliver them by Moses. We also understand that Stephen emphasized that the Hebrews did not recognize who Moses was. What Moses was trying to Stephen tells us that they did not understand. Again, we spent hours learning from Stephen as he emphasized the time Moses visited with his people. We can learn that as Christians, we need to go out and visit the people. We need to see the suffering of the world. Did you know in this world right now, we have drug addicts, alcoholics, pornography addicts. We have people who are addicted to violence, people who are addicted to lying. We have people who are addicted to control. We need to visit them. But also, learned from Moses, he went out and saw how the people suffered wrong. As Christians, we need to open our eyes and start seeing what's going on in this world. You know, just to stop for a second, have you been praying for France? We need to pray for France. They're on fire again with riots and raging. You know? You think that the United States is immune from that? We just got over some of that. Pray for France. Pray for this world. See how people are suffering. The Bible also tells us in Stephen's account that Moses defended and avenged. He defended and avenged. We know this is spiritual truth. We can learn from that. Number one, we need to defend the defenseless, don't we? I think the very first picture the church has is defend the unborn. My goodness, we need to do that more and more and more and more and more often. We need to defend those who can't defend themselves. A lot of us say, do we ever take revenge or avenge? Well, I think there's a time and place for everything, and there is a time for that. Right now may not be that time, but there's a time for it. Can I be honest with you for a second? Listen to me now. Come in close and look at me. Even King David knew when to stop praying and to pick up a rock. Not a lot of people said amen or not. I'm telling you, there comes a time. Moses defended and avenged. Also, try to reconcile this lesson, right? There's all kinds of spiritual truths we can go into this. But that's not the title of this morning's message. The title of this morning's message is Secret and Secret. We saw the author of Hebrews' account of what happened in Moses' life and how he emphasized the faith and how he emphasized that God was working in the background. We looked at Stephen's account and Stephen emphasized that Moses knew God was working, but he didn't know how to go about it. Saw that when he realized something bad had happened, remember this is in Stephen's account, then Moses fled. When he realized that Pharaoh heard about it, he fled and went to the land of Midian, where Stephen tells us he had two children. It would seem that if you're going to find secrets in the sand, we need to see the original story. We've looked at the author of Hebrews, we've looked at Stephen's account, and both of those are there for a reason. They're for us to learn from. They're for us to gain insight into. So let us know a little bit about what happened in Moses' life. But I don't know about you, but I don't like to see the original story. So look at me in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Look at me in verse 11. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in those days when Moshe, the Moses, was alone, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating so he looked this way and that way. Let me act that out for you. Did you see that? 
this way and that way. And I wish I could give you the sense of the people were. I wish I could just literally look around and make sure the place is clean. And soft. He looked this way, he looked that way, and when he saw no one, he killed Intend to kill me, and he said, So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. And Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by the well. Now we're not going to go further into Moses' life. We're all going to take a look secretly in the sand. Now, if you look at the original story, we're getting. Remember, you can see from Stephen's account in Acts 7.25 that Moses knew he was the deliverer. Stephen tells us that. People say all the time, I disagree with you. I don't disagree with the Scriptures. I believe the Scriptures are infallible. I believe they're inspired. And I believe they're inerrant. And if it's in the Bible, it's because that's what happened. Stephen tells us Moses knew. He knew he was the deliverer. And he supposed that when the people saw him, Killing the Egyptian, they would rise up and start working with him. But instead, they were like, Who are you? Now, kind of this little message is secret. In the sand, Moses hides the body of the Egyptian to disappear in the sand. That's going to take us to our first point. It's going to take us to our very first point. Don't ever. Don't ever, church, Christian. If you're going to be the Christian God has called you, if you're going to be the evangelist God has called you, the witness, the testifier, the teacher, the deacon God has called you to be, then don't ever assume that people know what God is up to. Don't ever assume that they know what you know. Don't ever assume that they're on the same track as you are. Now, I'm not saying that you treat people like they're dumb. What I am saying is this. Don't ever, for one iota of a second, assume that people are going to know what you're doing is from God. Because i got news for you. Number one, you are not God. Somebody say amen. We're talking about secrets in the sand this morning. And we're learning a little bit about doing God's will. We're learning a little bit about showing God's will to this world on how we're supposed to do His will publicly. So don't ever assume for one iota of a second that people are going to get on a hold of or grab a hold of what you're doing and say this must be God's will. Moses tried it and he ended up having to hide a body in the sand. Do you have a secret in the sand right now, perhaps 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or even two years ago, where you tried doing God's will and you ended up hurting somebody instead of helping somebody? And you hid it in the sand and you're waiting, 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 waiting. But I want you to know something. I want you to know that we don't need to assume that people know God's will. We think they do. We think they'll grab a hold of whatever we're doing because we believe it's God's will. Now just follow us. You've got to be able to explain God's will. You've got to be able to teach God's will. You've got to be able to show God's will in your life. And here's another picture for you. If you're not living God's will, no one else is going to follow you in God's will. People don't care how much you know. They know how much you care. We're looking at secrets in the sand this morning. So don't ever assume that people know 
that you are doing God's will. Two, don't ever assume that the people you're ministering to are Christians. A lot of times we do that all the time, that we assume anybody and everybody who walks in the door of a church must be a Christian. Wrong. Not everybody who walks in here is a Christian. Not everybody who comes down the aisle is a Christian. Not everybody who says the prayer is a Christian. Only those that do the will of our Father. In fact, we need to start embracing. We need to stop embracing everybody who names the name of Christ as a Christian. We need to start judging the tree by the fruit that it bears. That yes, praise God. We have that all over the place. People say, look at my leaves. It's big and it's shiny and it's green. And I'm a big, healthy tree. But there's not one fruit on it. We're supposed to judge the tree by the fruit that it bears. If it's not bearing fruit, then it's not of God. Are you bearing fruit? Or you got something hidden in the tree? See, we assume that people know God's will simply because we're doing God's will. We assume that people know what God is doing. Wrong. We're supposed to be telling the world what God is doing. Listen to me, Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. We're supposed to be telling the world that God has a plan. And in case you've forgotten, I want to share with you a little bit about God's plan this morning. Number one, it is God's will that we seek and save that which is lost. We're supposed to be getting out to those lost people, preaching to them, teaching them, and showing them all things whatsoever He has commanded us, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we've forgotten how to do that because we got too comfortable inside the pews when those people outside are literally burning up in their seats. We're supposed to be doing God's will. And we assume that the world knows God's will. The first church I ever pastored, this was the attitude of some of the leadership that was in that church. They know we're here. They should come visit us. No, they don't know you're here. They know that there's a God in heaven and they're waiting for God to send them a sign. And I want you to know you are that sign. Don't ever assume that people know don't ever assume that everybody you talk to is a Christian either. Just because they get on the phone and say, I must be a Christian. Just because they write you on your Facebook account or write you on your chat channel or whatever it is that you're on. Don't assume that they're Christians. Instead, look for the fruit in their life. If they're not bearing fruit, then they've got a problem in their Christianity. And three, if we're looking at sub-points in our first point here. Three, don't assume that everybody's going to join you because you're doing God's will. I want you to know something. When you start doing God's will, it's a lonely place to be. It's a lonely, lonely, lonely place to be. And you start saying, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I want you to know the crowd gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Let me give you a biblical picture of that. Number one, Jesus gets out inside and starts making disciples. He starts feeding the hungry. And he has crowds of 5,000. He has crowds of 4,000. And the more and more he teaches about getting closer to the cross, the smaller and smaller the crowds become until there's just 12. And finally, when he gets to the cross, how many of those disciples are still there? Just one. The closer you get to the cross, the less the crowds become. So if you were to take a look at that model alone in today's modern churches, see how far they went away from the cross? They're no longer preaching the cross. They're no longer preaching blood. They're preaching some social party that says it's okay and you're okay. But God is saying you're not okay and it's not okay and you need to repent and come back to the God of your fathers. That's the reason why those churches are growing and God's churches seem to be getting smaller as we get closer to the cross. Don't ever assume that people know God's will simply because you're there. Don't ever simply assume that everyone you talk to is a Christian. No. Let their actions speak louder than the Let their fruit be what testifies of them. 
and never ever assumed that it was going to join you because you still have to say, hey, I'm doing God's will. In fact, if you look at Stephen's account, Moses goes out, attacks the Egyptian, and he's assuming that the rest of them are going to know that he's there to deliver all of Israel from Egypt. Well, that worked out real well for him, didn't it? Let's look at our second point. Our second point this morning is we're looking at secrets in the sand. Because Moses ended up putting a secret in the sand. And he was hoping, like some of us, that nobody would ever find that. Remember, he looked left and he looked right. And he ended up attacking that Egyptian and he buried him in the sand. And as he buried him in the sand, he's like, I hope no one gets this messed up out. I hope no one saw it and no one needs to know about it. Look at our second point here. Moses came to the knowledge, the intimate knowledge, that people didn't understand what he was doing. You need to understand that people may not understand what you are doing as God's servant. But let me tell you a little secret. They may not know what you're doing, but they know what you did. Somebody say amen. They know where you came from. They know what you're about. And they remember what you said 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. They will never, ever let it go. Jesus said it like this. A prophet has honor everywhere except for his hometown. You want to know why? That's where that prophet grew up at. They remember that little troublemaker kid. Go like this. They remember that little whippersnapper. Like, he can't be a preacher or a prophet. I remember when he said, No, ma'am, to me. I remember when he stood it up and said, I won't do that. Yeah, he was 12 years old. Well, I don't forgive him yet. <laughs> Here's my point. Here's my point. People may not understand what you're doing, but they know what you do. Moses goes back after the second day. He's trying to do God's will again. And the first thing that he just says is, Who made you a judge and a ruler over us? Are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? Understand, we're going to make mistakes in our ministry. Understand, we're going to have problems in our ministry. Understand that people are going to uh, not understand sometimes. However, we don't have the right to start saying this. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Are you one of those? I'll just destroy every enemy around me. I'll destroy them. I'll remove them. You know what you're doing? You're becoming Moses. You say, wow, I thought they would know that I'm doing God's will. I thought that they were going to do what God was telling me to do, what I thought God was telling me to do. Let me tell you something about Moses. And I want you to listen closely. Moses killed one Egyptian with his hand. And there's all kinds of debate on whether he's committing murder or whether or not he's doing God's will. I'm going to let you figure that one out. But I want you to know this. When Moses lets go and lets God, they get to the Red Sea and the entire Egyptian army is destroyed because he let God and not himself do it. You think you got the power to do it? You don't. You think you got the know-how to do it? You don't. God does. And when you let go and let God, miracles Incidentally, they may not know or understand what you're doing, but they know what you did. You know what else they know? They know what you buried. It comes up. It has a way of being. Moses buried the Egyptian in the sand, and I can often think in my mind about that wind blowing. The same wind that will blow across the Red Sea and part the Red Sea is the same wind that blows over top that sandy grave that Moses does until a finger stuck out, until a hand stuck out, until an arm stuck out, and somebody grabbed what they thought was to be a man, and he pulled out a missing guard, a missing taskmaster, a missing guardian over top of those Jewish slaves. They pulled him out, and they thought, who killed this man? And eventually, after talking, somebody saw Moses. Let me tell you something. You may not understand 
God's doing, or people may not understand what you were doing. But they know what you're doing. They know what you're doing. Look at me in Numbers 32.23. And if you do not do so, this is Moses actually talking. He's talking from a spirit. And let me give you the context of it. He's actually telling the people, the Israelite people, when it's time to go to war. When it's time to go to war, those of you that are of age and those of you that are able, you better get your weapons and you better come to war. But if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. If anybody knew that, it was thought no one would find out about it. He thought he could bury it. He thought he could look left and look right and hide it, and no one would know where it was. But he learned so aptly his sin find you. Looking at our third point this morning, we're looking at secrets in the sand. Our third point here, if we try to help God instead of obeying God, we end up making things worse. We end up making it worse. Can I be honest for just a minute? Like, like I'm not being honest at the moment. However, I want to be totally blunt with you. God doesn't need our help. God can do anything and everything by Himself. He doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. And the reason why He chooses to use us is because He's honored and glorified, working through the weakness that we are, showing the strength that He is to a world that doesn't understand the power of God anymore. And they see God move in our weakness, and they glorify Him, and they give Him praise and honor. And that's what Christians are here to do. We be used by God so that God will move in the world today and the people will give Him glory. A lot of times we try to help God instead of obeying God. We just make things worse. Let me give you a biblical picture for it. How many of you are familiar with the story of Jacob and his wife? Of course you are. Of course you are. How many of you are familiar with Jacob's daddy? How many of you are familiar with his daddy? Abraham. I love the story of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. How many of you sing that song today? We all do. Every time you hear that, this should go off in your head if you're a Christian. Father Abraham had many sons. Abraham was given a promise by God. He said, I will give you a son from your own body. And then he and his wife decided we need to help God out. Here's Hagar, my handmaid. Go ahead and have a child with her. And you know what? God's promise will be fulfilled. We can glorify God. And, and you know what? God might go, whoo, you saved me from a hard one. Yeah. That's exactly the attitude then. And we do that with God all the time. God, you called me to do this, but don't worry. I'm here to show you an easier way to get it done. That was the attitude of Moses. You called me to deliver your people I'm going to show you how we do that. We do that with blind fury. Wrong. Wrong. How do we deliver God's people from sin? How do we deliver those that are in bondage? How do we deliver those that are enslaved? Let me tell you something, and you better listen closely. There's only one who can set free the captive. There's only one who can restore that which has been taken. There's only one who can heal the blind, who can give life back to the dead. There's only one, and His name is Jesus. And God is calling you to share the gospel. God is not calling you to correct the world. You can't do it. Ask Moses. You end up having secrets in the sand. What you need to do is start proclaiming there's a God in heaven, and He sent His one and only begotten Son. Now, whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. 
yet we try to help them all the time. God, help me, help them understand. You know what? They don't understand because we're trying to say, look at me. But really, what we need to say is, look at God. Look at God. Moses showed up and said, I will kill those Egyptians. And they're going to understand what God is doing. Now imagine the way he built the scenario in his mind. Now, of course, I'm speculating. So please don't hold me to this, but I'm speculating here. Here's Moses. When I start killing Egyptians, they're going to start walking right behind me saying, finally, we got a man with a gut to do it. <laughs> God's not looking for men with guts. God's looking for men with obedience. God's looking for men who will say, not my will, but thy will. God is looking for those who will say, nothing is too impossible for the Lord. God is looking for those who say, through my hand, the Lord God can work, no matter what it may be. Whether it's picking up rocks to kill Goliath, whether it's picking up a staff to part the Red Sea, or whether it's preaching the gospel to people who will not hear. That's what God says. Though a lot of us still tell God, I'll help you out. So God needed our help. He never needed our help. God wants to use the donkey to preach. God wants to use the clouds to preach. God wants to use the stones to preach. I'll tell you something else. One of these days, my Bible tells me in the book of Revelation that angels are going to come down and start preaching. going to preach the everlasting gospel. You know what the everlasting gospel is? The God. God is still in the forgiving business. 
Thank you. 